0: Hi, this is Matt from Trinity Church Brighton. I just wanted to quickly apologize. We had a couple of little technical issues with our sermon recording this morning. Uh, you've just missed that we read Luke chapter 18, 1 to 8 together. And then I just started my sermon by talking about an experience that I would had at Centrelink uh, a couple of years ago. So you can pick the sermon up from there. Enjoy and thanks for listening. I was at Marianne at the shops one day and I figured uh, since there's a Centrelink office there, I'd go down to the Centrelink office and just sort sure of answer my questions. So I went over I uh, stood in the line. I remember noticing as I went in, there was a couple of like really big security guards. I was like, oh, that's a little bit strange, but I guess, I guess lots of desperate people show up here, I guess, so they need the security guards. So, uh, noticed that. So I stood in line, got to the front of the line, uh, come up to the, the person who was there and said, hi, hi, uh, look, I'm just wondering if I can get help with OZ study, I just got a question. Uh, the person said, uh, now sir, if you have a question about OZ study, just go to the website. It's all on there. <laughs> I said well I, yeah, actually i had a look on the website and so if you have questions about our study go and have a look at the website I mean, you don't understand actually the, the answer to my question isn't actually on the website i've actually had a good look the information about our study is on the website <laughs> but the website isn't telling you what i need to if it's not on the website sir you can always ring up a hotline. But I'm literally standing right here, surely I can just... Sir, do I need to get the security guards? I just remember going away with that feeling of injustice. This is exactly why the government has this study, so that people like me can go and take time to become qualified and I shouldn't be treated like this. I'm entitled to this support. Surely I can at least ask a question. Uh, That's how I felt after that one interaction. Put yourself in the shoes for a minute of this woman in the parable, in the story that Jesus tells. A widow uh, who would have had a number of rights under first century Jewish law to uh, rights to things like food and support. And yet when she goes to the judge, meant to be the one who's meant to ensure that she gets justice, uh, time and time again he turns her away. The judge doesn't care. He doesn't care what God thinks. He doesn't care what people think again and again the woman, woman comes to him please I'm desperate I don't have enough time to get I don't have enough to get by I don't have anyone else who can help I'm entitled to this support what about my rights what about justice justice is a big thing in our world at the moment isn't it it's kind of something I barely have to say whether it's uh, the questions of racial injustice around the world that have dominated headlines over the last 12 months whether it's questions of how we can find justice for our indigenous communities here in Australia, uh, I think the story that Jesus has to tell us this morning uh, actually says a lot about justice. Uh, I think to understand that we need to, uh, to step back for a minute and think about the story and what it means. Uh, you might know that for term one here at Trinity Church, we're spending time in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we've seen so far that this section of the Gospel of Luke is all about the King, King Jesus. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, he knows he's soon going to return to heaven, and so he's preparing his disciples and us, by extension, to live while we wait for Jesus' return. To live while we wait for Jesus' return. For those of us who were here last week, we looked at the return of Jesus, we saw that he will return to earth one day, and we talked about what it means to be ready for him. And as we get to chapter 18 that we're looking at this morning, Jesus continues preparing us for his return by telling his disciples two parables, two parables, two stories. And if you have your Bible open, you can see that just by scanning down the page. There's two stories, both to do with prayer, interestingly enough. Um, we're looking at the first parable with the widow and the judge this morning, the story that Lara read for us. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at that second parable uh, around the Pharisee and the tax collector. Uh, before today, so what does this parable about the widow and this unjust judge have to teach us about living while we wait for Jesus' return? What does it have to say to us? As I've said, I think the story has a lot to teach us about the topic of justice, and we'll get to that. Uh, but it's also a story about prayer, isn't it? A story about prayer and persistence in prayer. If you've got uh, your Sunday hub open and you're looking at the outline, this is our first point, a story of prayer and persistence. Let's think a bit about the parable, uh, and then we'll, we'll, in the second half of the sermon, we'll talk about Uh, what it means and what it's got to say to us in terms of justice. The story of prayer and persistence. We can see that this is a parable about prayer, uh, quite plainly from the very first verse of our passage. Uh, I might get it up on the screen if we can, Alio. Thank you, mate. We can see this is a parable about prayer and persistence in prayer. Uh, Luke, who's our author, makes it very easy for us. He introduces Jesus' parable, and he kind of gives away the meaning right at the very start. He says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray, and not give up. Pray. Don't give up. Pray and persist in prayer. Don't give up because we know that one day Jesus will return. Jesus then introduces us to the two characters in the parable. In verse 2, he tells us about the judge. If we can go there, thanks. Uh, He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. A judge who has no fear of God doesn't seem... Uh, doesn't see the need to live God's way or to pay God any sort of respect. And he uh, not only does he not fear God, he doesn't care what people think either. And you might, at first glance, think that that could actually be a good quality for a judge, you know, not bowing to public pressure, that sort of thing. Uh, but what this is actually getting at is that this judge doesn't care about people. He doesn't have any compassion. He also doesn't care about his reputation. He doesn't care if people know he's corrupt. Very likely he was a judge who was using his powerful position to extort the less... Fortunate. Probably made sure the courts looked after his friends, used his position to look after people that could pay him back. I think it's probably the sort of guy who would always have had tickets to the footy in the corporate box based on who he'd done favours for. And then at the other end of the scale, we meet the widow. Verse 3 There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea Grant me justice against my adversary. The widow couldn't really be more different from the judge, could she? Uh, the judge is powerful, extorting people. The woman is powerless. The judge is connected. The widow, well, generally in Jewish culture, women couldn't really go to court and say, so what we would normally do is have a male relative go on your behalf. And so the fact that the widow's going herself probably means that she's totally alone. No husband, no brother to speak to her, no son, no nephew who can plead her case. And all she wants is justice. And in the end, the woman uses the only tool at her disposal, persistence. She comes again and again and again. I'm sure if this was happening at the Centrelink office, she would have been there every morning lining up again and again until she got her. The security guards probably would have known to look out for her. But probably after a little while, the manager of the branch would just think, well, I'm just going to have her in and just talk to her for 20 minutes because she's just going to come up again and again and again if I don't do that. And in the end, the judge... Relents to If we go to verse four, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, "Even though I don't fear God, I don't care what people think. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually come and attack me." It's quite funny. Literally, in the uh, original language, it says, "I'll see that she gets justice, so that she won't come and hit me in the eye." Literally, what it says. Of course, all the commentators go, "Oh, that must be a sort of a metaphorical sort of." Uh, way that they spoke about things. I don't know. I I don't know if the commentators have had that many dealings with crazy, desperate people. She's been showing up at court day after day after day. Maybe the judge is worried that she's going to hide in a dark alley while the judge is walking home and go for his eyeballs. (laughs) Whatever the case, eventually the widow's persistence pays off. She gets the justice she longs for. As we've already seen, this is a story about Persisting in prayer while we wait for Jesus to return. Pray and don't give up. Learn from the widow's persistence and her attitude. Uh, but then Jesus gives us some additional meaning to the parable as well. If we go to verse 6, the Lord Jesus said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus' point is that God actually is a little bit like this unjust judge. Not in a way of similarity, of course, but in a way of contrast. If even this corrupt, selfish, unjust judge will see that the widow gets justice, well, how much more will God, who is good, merciful, just, loving, how much more will God grant justice to his followers. I think what we see here in this parable, it is about prayer and persistence. But we can be a bit more specific than that. Interestingly, uh, you might have noticed this if you pay a lot of attention here at Trinity Church Brighton. Back on January 3rd, uh, we looked at a similar parable. Uh, It actually came out of Luke chapter 11. It was uh, put with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, In that parable, a guy... He's uh, waking up his neighbour in the middle of the night and asking for food. And the lesson for us in that parable is, I think, just to be bold and persistent in your prayers. Uh, but while that parable was perhaps more about prayer generally, uh, here I think his parable is a bit more specific. This is about, while we're waiting for Jesus to return, praying for justice and longing for justice and longing for Jesus to return so that he will bring the justice that we desperately need. Not so much about prayer in general, more about prayer for Jesus' return and the justice that he will bring, specifically. Praying and not giving up, trusting that Jesus will return and bring justice. So I think then the question for us is, do we long for his justice? Do you long for Jesus to return and bring justice? Is that something you are excited about? Do we cry out day and night, as it says in the parable for Jesus to return to bring justice. As Cameron uh, was speaking on a similar topic last week, he was comparing this to a child waking up at Christmas, uh, waiting up and thinking it might be Christmas morning already, uh, waking up and asking, is it today, is it today, is it today? Is Jesus going to come back and bring the justice that I've been waiting for? Are we excited about that? I know for me, if I'm honest, the answer uh, oftentimes is not particularly. Uh, I wonder if it's because despite my... A little run-in assembly a few years back. I live a pretty easy, privileged life where I do get justice given to me most of the time. Uh, part of that comes with being a white middle-class Australian, particularly a male. I know that I have a lot of you know, privilege that others in the world miss out on. And if there isn't justice, it's a lot of the time going to be in my favour. And perhaps that's the reason why I don't long for Jesus to come back and bring justice quite so much. I'm aware that that won't necessarily be the case for everyone in this room, but what I do want to show us is that for the rest of this sermon? Is that actually? I think this passage gives us good reason why we should all long for Jesus' return, why we should all desperately long for Jesus' justice, even if we do live pretty lives, pretty nice lives now. We should still long for His justice. So, do you long for Jesus to return? Do you long for the King? Well, I have three reasons why I think we all should be excited about Jesus' return and the justice He will bring. I'll get Alio to chuck these up as well. Thank you. Our world needs justice, number one. Uh, we need justice, number two. And number three, we need his justice, number three. A couple of things to say about each one of these. Firstly, our world needs justice. As I said earlier, I think it's kind of obvious that justice is a big topic for our world today. Uh, whether it's the big things like, what was it, the Black Lives Matter movement last year was a massive thing. Uh, the advocation for Indigenous Australians uh, people talking about justice for lgbti communities uh, there's obviously also lots of examples that are a bit more on a smaller scale uh, where people have been crying out for justice in the past couple of weeks it was uh the collingwood football club the report coming out that collingwood has a racist culture and uh, everyone was saying there needs to be justice we need to put things right even why has to resign someone has to pay for what's happened which he eventually uh, he eventually did Even our Australian of the Year for 2021 is held up as a champion of justice. It was a woman uh, who was legally stopped from speaking about her sexual assault for years and years and years, and she had to fight and fight to be able to tell her story. Finally, justice was seen to, and uh, we celebrate that. These are, of course, course, only the things that uh, we might hear about more in the media. There are lots of things the media doesn't necessarily talk so much about. You don't necessarily hear still much about the hundreds of victims of human trafficking in Australia each year. Uh, That still happens. You certainly don't hear very much about the thousands of African migrant workers in the Middle East who are basically treated as slaves. We know this is true for Christians around the world too. Lots of injustice, uh, whether it's in Eritrea in Africa, where I read that uh, 70 Christians were released uh, just last week from jail after spending 12 years in jail just for being Christians. In China, there's a businessman, his name is uh, Lai Jing Chiang, who's on trial at the moment, and his crime, uh, selling Bible audiobooks. Living in Adelaide, a nice part of the world, it can be pretty easy sometimes to fool ourselves into thinking that the world is a pretty nice place where people are mainly treated fairly, mainly treated with justice. Make no mistake, there are plenty of people in our world, plenty of people close to home as well, Uh, who are a lot more like the widow in today's story. Powerless, alone, no one to hear their story, no one fighting for them to receive justice. And make no mistake, God is a God who cares about the oppressed. The Bible teaches that all people are made in God's image, all people have value in God's eyes. So when it comes to these justice movements around the world, I think part of how we should respond is to say, Yes, we affirm these things. We believe in a God who hates injustice. We believe that the world is unfortunately full of injustice. It's it's been that way ever since the fall in Genesis three. Can you remember what the very next story was after the fall in Genesis three? Uh, Cain and Abel, a murder of an innocent man, injustice. Don't let yourself be fooled into thinking that the world is a pretty good place. That's that it's good enough. It, that we don't need the justice that Jesus promises. If we don't pray for Jesus to return and bring justice, it could be a sign that actually we are being called in that respect, a little bit at least. Perhaps actually things are good enough without Jesus coming back. Will not God bring about justice to those who cry out to him day or night? Do we cry out to God for justice? Our world needs justice, uh, second thing to say, though, we need justice too. One one thing we can notice about our parable today is that, uh, actually, one thing this parable isn't about, it's not about actively working for justice, you might you might notice that. It's not a passage about caring for people who have been poorly treated. Now, of course, you can find lots of things in the Bible about caring for people like the widow and caring for the outsider and doing justice. Uh, don't hear me saying that. It isn't something we should do. It's very much part of the Bible. But what can we really find it in this parable? Uh, I wonder why that is. Well, it's because in this passage, I think we have a bit of a different... Main point. The point is not so much about us working for justice and trying to do justice ourselves. The point is about waiting for Jesus to return. Praying for Jesus to return, longing for Jesus to return, so that he will bring justice. Crying out for the justice that Jesus will bring. Well, as I said, I think we can affirm those kind of big movements around the world that are working for justice. I think. There is more to say, too, sometimes about those things, And I think one thing we can often say is that uh, often when people try and take justice into their own hands, it only makes things worse. Often, not always, when we try and take justice into our own hands, uh, it can make things worse. Why is that? Well, it's because if someone's been hurt we want to uh, make things right, often our justice actually ends up being revenge, and so injustice might lead to revenge for that injustice, and that... Our revenge might then lead to more injustice, which leads to more revenge and more injustice. And since everyone is broken and fought anyway, you can always find a reason to take revenge on someone. Kind of sums up so much of the history of the world, don't you think? Comes kind of this cycle of injustice, revenge, violence. And how do you break that cycle? I can only think of one answer that works. And I think that answer is to believe that Jesus will return to bring about true justice believe that Jesus will return and bring about true justice. Uh, there's a Croatian thinker, Croatian theologian, his name's Miroslav Volf. Uh, he lectures at Yale in the US, uh, and he speaks a lot on this topic. And here's one thing he says, just a short little quote. Uh, he says this. Thanks, blank slide. It's okay, I'll read it out. Uh, the quote is, violence thrives, secretly nourished by belief in a God who refuses to wield the sword. Violence thrives, secretly nourished, by belief in a God who refuses to wield the sword. Think about that for a second so you see what he's getting at. He's saying, if you don't believe in a God at all, maybe you do believe in a God, but you don't believe he's going to judge or put things right. You don't believe he's going to bring justice. Well, that actually means violence thrives. You're more likely to... Be violent because if we don't believe that God is going to get rid of injustice, then we have to take matters into our own hands. We have to fight. We have to put things right ourselves. Violence thrives secretly, nourished by belief in a God who refuses to wield the sword. And you might say, well, shouldn't we just be able to forgive? Whether we believe God's going to come back or not, shouldn't we just be able to forgive? But uh, Volk is a Croat,ian and as I said, and uh, all his life in Croatia was marked by violence and war. Uh, being in the Balkans, particularly 20-plus years ago. And he goes on to say that uh, he used to teach classes in Croatia where people in his classes had had their village plundered, and over there there'd be uh, two women who had had their daughters and sisters raped, and over there there would be uh, some, some men who had had their fathers' throats cut off. And he said, try telling people like that that they should just forgive. Try telling people like that that they should just forgive. It doesn't work. We we either need to trust that Jesus is going to return and bring about justice, or we feel that we need to take up the sword and take revenge ourselves. You either believe that Jesus is going to return and bring about justice, or if not, you want to take it into your own hands, take up the sword and take revenge ourselves. So why do we need to... Jesus to bring justice where we need, we need it, because it gives us, actually, on the other hand, it gives us an amazing freedom. Because if we can trust, if we can have faith that Jesus is going to come back and put things right, suddenly we can't turn the other cheek. Suddenly we can break that cycle of revenge. We can show compassion, forgiveness, peace, because we know that justice is going to come. It's incredibly freeing. Did you notice the last line of our passage today? When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That question. It takes a lot of faith to wait for Jesus to put things right and not take things into your own hands. When Jesus returns, will he find people waiting for him in faith, or will he find people taking matters into their own hands, fighting, taking revenge? If we trust that Jesus is going to put things right, it gives us freedom to be merciful, to show compassion, forgiveness, So we know that things will be put right one day, so we can be merciful and forgiving. Now, showing Showing mercy is such a powerful thing. When you're at the office and someone's made a mistake and you choose to show mercy. Uh, When you show mercy to your child at home, you should let your children get away with everything. Uh, When you show forgiveness to someone who's hurt you, all of that is a great pointer to Jesus and trusting in what he has done. When we can trust that Jesus will bring about justice, actually it frees us. It frees us to give up our rights and to know that things will still be put right one day. Our world needs justice. We need justice. Uh, lastly, we need his justice. We need his justice. One of the problems with humans taking justice and judgment into their own hands is that uh, actually none of us have the ability to perfectly execute just judgment, do we? I see none of us is all-knowing, so none of us really can know everything we need to know about what's right in the situation. None of us has the wisdom to really know exactly what's perfectly fair all the time. Uh, all of us and so we all have our own biases and our own guilt to worry about. None of us could stand up and make a judgment without someone actually rightly being able to say, well, hang on, aren't you guilty too? We don't have the right to judge, we don't have the knowledge to judge, we don't have the power to carry out judgments, even if we could get them right. I'm sure judges in a legal courtroom, I'm sure they have the ability to make good judgments in particular cases, and I'm sure they get it right most of the time, but to Bring about true justice. To really fix the problems in the world. To really fix injustice once and for all. I think the truth is there's only one person who can bring about that sort of justice. We don't need justice in general, we need his justice in particular. We need the justice that King Jesus will bring. In our parable, Jesus was compared to the unrighteous judge, but as we saw, whereas the judge was corrupt, Un- unjust, selfish, flawed, broken. On the other hand, Jesus is perfect, holy, good, loving. Justice is perfect. He's the only one who can make things right. And not only that, but it's his justice we need for another reason too. You see, the idea of perfect justice sounds good until you think about it and you realise that if he brings perfect justice, well... Actually, that might not be good news for us. For those of us who time and time again haven't lived God's way, if he's going to get rid of injustice in the world, well, we need to realise that we're part of the injustice that needs to be dealt with. Jesus is not just the judge of injustice, he's also the one who suffers the greatest injustice. When he gets to Jerusalem and dies on the cross, as we'll look at later this term and get closer to Easter, his death pays the punishment for injustice once and for all, So those who would follow this king need not fear being punished themselves. Jesus' death was the ultimate breaking of the cycle of revenge. Rather than taking revenge on his enemies, he died in their place. So do you want him to return? Do you long for his return? Do you long for the justice of the king? Will you pray for his return and justice that he will bring? Even the unjust... Judge saw that the widow got justice after her persistence in prayer. Jesus told the parable that this parable so that we would not, would pray and not give up. Will you let the brokenness of the world get you down or will you trust in him to come and put things right? Remember that the world needs justice. It's full of brokenness. There's lots we can affirm about lots of the justice movements around the world today. While there is something we can affirm about all these things, one of those things we, things we can agree with them, I think we can also add the nuance that oftentimes when humans take justice into our own hands, we only make things worse. So there's a caution there too. And lastly, we can also remember to have hope because we believe that the one who will bring right ju- judgment, the one who will bring proper justice, is pure, right, and good. And he is full of love and he is full of mercy. And in fact, he was willing to bear the punishment for injustice and put it onto himself. Our world needs justice. We need his justice and the freedom that it brings. We need his justice, because no one else's justice will uh, stack up. No one else will save us as well. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this story that Jesus told Thank you that you are not like the unrighteous, corrupt judge. Thank you that you are holy, perfect, righteous and good. But thank you that as even this righteous judge could bring justice for the widows, so too can we trust in your son to bring justice for the world. Thank you for those in this world who care about justice, but help us to show us what it means to trust in Jesus' justice ultimately, rather than always trying to take matters into your own hands. Help us to work out what it means to show mercy instead of seeking revenge. Help us to trust in Jesus and long for his coming. We long for things to be put right in this world. May he come soon and bring the justice that he promises us. Amen.